you remember when this started? It, it seems like forever ago, but it was only a little bit more than a month that we've been in this isolation mode. Do you remember when we could be a church that was a friendly church? Remember when we could, we could hug each other, we could shake hands? Isn't this a crazy time? Do you remember the good old days when we could do that? You know, I, I, I'm kind of one of those people that is kind of like a, a glasses half full kind of guy. And so when I heard that we we're going to be in isolation and we're going to be in lockdown, uh, is the first thing I did was think of all the things that I could do because I realized that there would be a lot. In fact, one of the things that I could do, it was go get a uh, camping spot. And so that's exactly what I did. I got a camping spot. I thought to myself, I'm going to go find some water and I'm going to sit and relax a little bit. Finally, I am going to have some rest, all because of isolation. However, that hasn't happened at all. In fact, I feel like it's just the opposite. Instead of rest, I feel like it has been busy, busy, work, work. We've been in meetings, video conferencing on all the time. My webcam is on more than it's off. And I feel like we have been going, 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 and I could just use a little rest. Reminds me of a, of a story in scripture that, that uh, is found in Luke, Luke chapter 10. You see, uh, Jesus had been teaching all over the countryside. Uh, he'd been working hard. And, and now it says in verse 38, as they went their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her, welcomed him into her home. See, uh, this, this passage begins with Martha as the heroine of this story. In fact, she's the one who welcomes Jesus. She welcomes Jesus into her home. And I don't know if you remember way back when we could invite people into our homes. If you remember, it can be a lot of work to welcome someone into your home, especially kind of unexpected, getting things ready, preparing food, all that work. It's a lot of work. And so this is a good thing she does. It goes on to say, and, and she had a sister named Mary. Now, a sister would have been her equal. Right. And so uh, the, most likely the two of them lived together. Uh, they would have uh, they would have done most things together. And sure enough, Martha expected Mary to help her with all the preparations. But it says in verse 39 that Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, we look at this and we say that that's that's a good thing. Way to go. Way to go, Mary. Way to sit at Jesus feet. But I have to point out something. And that that is that. Uh, Culturally speaking, if you were to read this in the first century, that's not necessarily what you would think. And that's definitely not what Martha thought. Martha did not think that it was a good idea for Mary to sit at Jesus's feet. In fact, as we're going to see, uh, Martha, who was very busy, she actually, she tells Jesus that as well. She tells Jesus, she gives her a little bit of her opinion on this. And she says this, um, Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to Jesus. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. See, Mar Martha, uh, Martha in this situation, actually, in this scenario, culturally speaking, was actually right. That, that actually in the cultural and society's kind of mind, worldview of that time, that, that Mary's place was 
in the kitchen, serving. That was what she was supposed to do. She was supposed to be the host. She was supposed to be helping. She was not supposed to be sitting at the Lord's feet. She was not to be sitting there because sitting at the Lord's feet is taking on the place of a disciple. It's taking on a place of a learner. And a disciple was, was really only a job for a, a man. And so when she says this, Martha totally expected Jesus to agree with her and to say, yeah, you're right. Hey, Mary, get back in the kitchen. But that's not what Jesus says. It goes on and it says uh, in verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Don't you love how Jesus just changes the way we see the world? Uh, in a culture that, that should have told Mary to go back and serve, he said, no, it's okay to sit. Now, throughout the, the history of interpretation of this passage, I've heard many people say things like what Jesus is doing here, and what Luke is saying here is that, that, that sitting is better than serving. And as if this passage, the point of this passage is to set up a, a difference between like the, the contemplative life versus a life of action and a life of service. Uh, I want to suggest that that's not the point here. In fact, I think there's something else going on here. And in order to figure that out, I think we have to break down the text a bit. In verse 41, it says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, I just love the way that Jesus interacts with people. I love the fact here that he says her name twice. Now, I've often read this as if Jesus was a little bit disappointed with her, as if he was saying, Martha, Martha. I, I, I often think maybe I do that because that's the way I think Jesus thinks about me, as if he's rolling his eyes at me at times and he's saying, Josh, Josh, come on. But that's not the way that Jesus deals with people, is it? In fact, Jesus is, his way he deals with people is love. And so what if we read that in a tone of love instead? And what if he was saying this, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. As if he's saying to, to Martha in this time, hey, hey Martha, I realize you're, you're heavy laden. You're burdened with so many things. It's as if Jesus is saying, listen, Martha, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Isn't that a word for us today? Because if I could describe our world right now, it would be a world that is anxious and worried and troubled about many things. Who doesn't need to hear right now that there's a better way? I want you to know, whatever your anxiety level is in these days, I just want you to know that Jesus gets you. He, he feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. And I want you to even picture Jesus saying this to you. Let me put your name instead of Martha's and to hear his voice saying, Josh, 
Josh, I, I know you're, you're worried, you're anxious and troubled about all these things. I want you to hear him say, I've got a word for you. And that word is actually what he says to her next. In verse 42, he says, but one thing is necessary. But one thing. I love the simplicity of that. I, I love that, that he makes it so, so simple here. You know, I think that most of us live life the way that Martha was living life. We tend to, to think that uh, busyness makes us better. In fact, we kind of place our value on how, how full our calendar is. And this is true of, of the business life, of family life, and it even comes out in the Christian life. <laughs> There's the, the old joke is that, you know, Jesus is coming back, so you better look busy. And I think we've bought into that lie that, that we need to stay busy. We need to stay doing things. We need to keep going and going and going. And, and Jesus is saying, no, hold on, hold on. Only one thing matters. Only one thing thing matters. You see, I want you to write this down. When we move from busyness to focus, we begin to experience the life God wants us to live. The life that God has for us. You see, uh, it, it's, it's not hard to, to be busy. Anyone can get busy if you, if you want to, but it's difficult to have focus in life. Reminds me of a scene in an old movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's called City Slickers. And in this scene, there's this cowboy. Cowboy's name is Curly. And uh, there's the city slicker. Uh, and his name is Mitch. And he's played by Billy Crystal. Uh, the cowboy's played by Jack Palance. He's this huge man. And he's riding on a horse. And he says, he says to Billy Crystal, Do you know what the secret of life is? The secret of life Billy says, no, what? And then he just holds up his finger and he says this. Jack Palance just says this. And Billy Crystal says, your finger? And without hesitation, Jack just looks back at him and says, one thing. Just one thing. Billy says, that's great, but what's the one thing? And then Curly looks back and says, well, that's what you've got to figure out. Now, I, I love that uh, Hollywood tells that story as if it's up to us to just figure out what our one thing is. As if to say, whatever you choose will be the thing that works for you. But can I just be clear? That's not what Jesus is saying here. That's not at all uh, what his message to us is today. Because you've got to remember who Jesus is. This is, this is the divine Son of God. This is the eternal Logos. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one who, who spoke existence into being. He's the one who knit you in your mother's womb. Don't you think that just maybe he might know exactly what that one thing is for you? So let me ask you this. Is Jesus saying here that, that sitting is better than serving? Is he suggesting that a life of 
contemplation, a, a life of, of reflection, of learning and study, that that is somehow better than a life of action and of doing, a life of serving? I don't think so. In fact, I, I see two reasons here why that is not what Jesus is saying. The first is that Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't tell Martha that she's chosen the wrong thing. He actually just says that Mary has chosen a good thing. And the second reason that I don't think Jesus is saying this is because last time I checked, Jesus is decidedly pro-service. He is very much about encouraging service. In fact, if you look at the passage immediately before this in, in our Bibles, uh, right there, starting in verse 25 of chapter 10 on down, we have one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. And that is the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that passage, it's the, it's the two contemplatives. It's the, the, the Levite and the priest. They're the ones who, are, they're, the, they're the bad guys in that story. And they're the bad guys precisely because they don't do something. They're the ones who choose, and even because of spiritual reasons, they choose not to do something. And they're the ones that are wrong in that story. And sure enough, the guy who does something is the hero. That's the Samaritan. And so Jesus definitely is not against serving and for sitting necessarily. I think something else is going on here. Maybe in our interpretation of this passage, maybe we focused on, on the wrong verbs. Because <laughs> uh, definitely sitting is involved in this story and definitely serving is involved in this story. But maybe it isn't between sitting and serving, but something different. And maybe it's the way that we sit or the way that we serve. Maybe what he's getting at is that the manner in which we do this is what really matters. And if we dig in a bit, we'll see that there is more to this story. And so I want you to notice in verse 40, it tells how, how Martha was serving. It's actually how she was serving. Notice it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Do you see, she was distracted. She was living a distractive lifestyle. Her behavior, uh, which in this instance was actually not a bad behavior. It was service. She was actually doing a pretty good thing, but the good thing even was coming out of, was flowing out of distraction. It was distraction that was leading her to serve, not something better. And the way that, that this word distracted is, is used, if you, if, you, uh, if you see in the Greek text, uh, the, the word is very interesting. Um, see, Martha is the subject of the verb. So Martha is the one doing the action, and yet it's a passive verb, which means that it's, it's actually applying to her. So the action is applying to her. So you could translate this as, but Martha was distracting herself with much serving. <laughs> Martha was distracting herself. And, and when I noticed this, I thought, now this is where it all came together to me, because uh, I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of distracting myself. In fact, I got to say, I'm really good at distracting myself. I can always find things to do. I can always find more. And if not, I've got a queue of Netflix that's a mile long. I can always distract myself. But once again, there's a better way. Jesus tells her only one thing matters. Maybe... Maybe Mary will show us what that one thing is. So let's go back a verse to verse 39. You see, uh, 
Luke tells us, tells us that Mary wasn't just sitting. He says, the sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. You see, there was a way that Mary was sitting. It was an openness. The real contrast in this story is not a contrast between sitting and serving. It is a type of sitting, and it is a type of serving. It's a contrast between a distracted life and an attentive life. While Martha was distracted, Mary was attentive. She was paying attention to what Jesus was doing. The word that is used for listened there is the word akuo. And it's a word used all throughout the Bible, and it's a very simple word. It just means to hear or to listen. And yet, biblically speaking, uh, hearing and doing is intricately tied together. You can't separate the two. In fact, there's no reason in the biblical worldview for you to hear something and then not do it. If you heard truth and didn't do it, then you'd just be a fool. There's no reason for that. And so uh, this is why time and time again, we hear Jesus say things like, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he just stops there. Um, But the implication is that it's not just the, the information getting into your ears, that it's getting into your ears and then getting into you and flowing out of you and that you actually hear it and obey it. You see, what Jesus is getting at is that there's a certain kind of ear that, that kingdom-minded people need. It's a type of ear, it's a type of ear that, that hears and then obeys God's voice. However, the, the truth is that in our world, there's a lot of voices that are vying for our attention. And it's difficult to hear God's voice at times, especially when there's so many things and often even good things for us to listen to. And so we have to learn to train ourselves to hear God's voice. And that's really what we're doing when we choose discernment over distraction. Because I want you to write this down, that discernment is knowing which voice is Jesus's and which voice is just distraction. And so we have to be people who learn to choose that voice, Jesus's voice, Listen to what Jesus is saying, just the way that Mary did. In fact, this is, it's a bit of a theme in this part of Luke. In, in this part of Luke, uh, this, uh, this akuo appears a couple of times. In fact, in, in the chapter before, in, in chapter 9, verse 35, uh, we hear the voice of God saying this from heaven. He says this, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. It says akuo to him. Listen to Jesus. Then in the next chapter, uh, right after this, in, in verses 27 to 28 of chapter 11, a, a woman hears Jesus' teaching and she shouts out loud and said, blessed is the womb that bore you. She's saying, hey, blessed is your mom. And Jesus replies to her, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Hearing the word of God in this loud and distracting world is difficult. Which voices are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the voice of distraction? Are you going to listen to the voice of anxiousness and worry and fear? Or are you going to listen to the voice of God?
one thing. Listen to Jesus. The way that, that Luke describes how Mary was listening is the way that we need to listen. The, the verb there is an active verb. Uh, it, it means that, that Mary was actively listening. She was engaged with Jesus. The question I have for us today is how can we be people who actively listen to the voice of God, especially in these distracted times? I want to give you three ways that we can train our ears to have ears to hear God's voice, ears to discern what he's doing. The first, the first is, is really just get reacquainted with Jesus. See, uh, all of us uh, have known something about Jesus. Uh, you've heard something about Jesus. Some of us have studied Jesus for a long time. And yes, I'm telling you even to get reacquainted with Jesus. I want you to study Jesus' words. Uh, look at the way that he interacts with people, the way he talks to people. I want you to, to wonder at his miracles. I want you to, to be amazed by his teaching, the way that he just says the right thing at the right time. There's just something amazing about Jesus. And so the first way is that we, we learn to hear by knowing what Jesus sounds like. That's why we gotta get reacquainted with Jesus. The second, the second is actually to expect the Spirit of God to speak. We've gotta be people that expect, expect to hear from God. And now I, I don't hear the audible voice of God. I, I, you know, in fact, I don't know anybody who hears the audible voice of God. Uh, I, I don't mean that you're going to expect to hear a loud, booming voice. But what I do know, and what I do know without a doubt, is that is that, that our God is alive, that our God is real, and that He is in our world, and that we can hear His voice. And often we hear it by the small things, by the nudges, by the little things. And we can know and we can discern whose voice is his and whose is just distraction. The third, the third thing that I want you to do is actually, it's actually to stop. To stop trying so hard. You know, I, I, I think we're people just like Mary who, who when we're stressed, when we're overworked, we, we just try to do more. We just try to fix everything. And, and I know that's me. I, I have a solution and I can do it. And, and then what happens is, and then I think that what God has called me to do, I think everybody else should do. And so I think to myself, why doesn't everybody else get on my vision of what God is saying to me and what I think everybody should do? And then what happens, I start getting inward a little bit. And I start getting focused on myself and I get self-centered and I start, I start blaming people when things go wrong. And ultimately, even I might even blame God. I might even say something like, God, don't you care? Just the way that Martha did. It's in times like these, which let me just be honest with you. 
It's, that's probably most times. Most times I try too hard. It's in times like those that we just need to learn to stop. We need to learn to stop trying so hard. My oldest son, uh, he's a junior higher. And uh, he used this word while, while playing video games the other day, and it caught my attention. He actually called someone else that he's playing with, he called them a tryhard. A tryhard. He's saying, you're trying too hard. And, and, you know, just so I could be a dad that isn't too out of touch, I decided that I better Google what he means by that. And so sure enough, I looked up. And, and the definition of a tryhard is this. Someone whose effort level and emotional investment is excessively high for the level of play in which they are competing. <laughs> Did you hear that? It's, it's, it's their, their emotional effort. Uh, their, their, their effort and their emotional investment is just too high for where they are. In other words, it's someone who just tries too hard and doesn't succeed. As I thought about that, I realized something. I am a tryhard. Martha was a tryhard. And I think in, in a lot of ways, most Christians are tryhards. We are trying. We're trying to, to compete at the level of Jesus, and we just can't. We're not good enough. We can't do it. And what I want to tell you is that it's time to stop trying. And maybe, just maybe, it might be a time to try stopping. Stopping just long enough to hear the voice of God to listen to what He's telling you to do, to believe that He might tell you that one thing that you need to be doing, that He knows. Do you believe that He knows and that He can tell you and we can just, if we just stop long enough to hear it, then after we've heard it, that's when we can live it out. That's when we can go and do it but it begins by stopping. Here's the point. The good portion, the one thing that is necessary, is a, a focused attentiveness to the voice of Jesus that, that takes what is heard and then lives it out. It is His Word lived out in our lives. When that happens, when you first listen, when you stop long enough to listen and hear, what happens is that then you live life with a different sort of energy, a, a different sort of power. It's no longer living life out of distraction and out of whatever comes at you. It is living life in the presence of Jesus. You see, here's the point. When your life is lived as a response to Jesus's presence, that life is lived in Jesus' power. When your life is lived as a response to Jesus' presence, you live with Jesus' power. And don't you want to live with Jesus' power? The power of distraction that will, all, it will no longer have the power over you that it, it still it has today, that it continues to have when we recognize Jesus' presence in our lives, when we recognize that the presence of Almighty God, He is with us and He is leading us. 
That is the good place to live. That is the good portion. And the only reason, though, that we can stop, the, the reason that we can stop trying and try stopping is that we serve a God who cannot be stopped. We serve a God who did not stop. That Jesus, who he did not stop on the cross. He went all the way to the cross. He gave his life for us. And in order to explain uh, the extent of which, the, to which God went for us, for you and for me, Paul, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says this, He, God the Father, who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? What he's saying is that God was not stopped then and God will not be stopped now. God was not stopped at the cross and he is not going to stop working for you. He's not going to stop serving you. It's not about how much you serve him. It's about you allowing him to serve you because he's done the work for you. He cannot be stopped. And that's the refrain of the song that we're going to sing next. And I want you to make this your song, that we serve a God who cannot be stopped. There is nothing you can do to stop our God. It's a song of victory, recognizing that what Jesus has done on the cross, what he's accomplished there, what he's accomplished on the cross by his death, by his resurrection, that he declared victory over the powers of sin and of darkness, and that that victory will not be stopped. And maybe you're out there today and you need to just surrender to his power. You need to surrender and say, I, I need to stop because I am trying too hard to do this all myself. And if you're out there, use this as an opportunity to just say, I'm done trying. I'm going to try stopping and allow him to do his work. I want you to allow Jesus to be the one who leads you because he cannot be stopped.